episode number 41. Welcome to the Getting Unstuck podcast, where you'll laugh, empathize, and learn how to turn your stuck spots into sources for energy and positive change. And now your host, the creator of the Stuck Method, Shira Taylor Gura. Hello, my dear listeners, and thank you for joining me today. So I'm going to jump right into today's story and relate it to a book, which I'll mention at the end of the episode, that I'm reading now and I'm absolutely loving. Okay, so yesterday was Sunday, and Sunday in Israel is the first day of the work week, and it's the first day of the school week. It also happens to be the day of the week I go food shopping. At the beginning of every school year, I choose which day of the week I will go food shopping according to my kids' schedules, because most of the activities that my kids are in are about 15 to 20 minutes away, and they're near supermarkets. And so I take advantage of that hour and a half that I have while they're in their activities to go food shopping. And this year, it's Sunday nights, because my two older kids both have activities. One of them does walk climbing, and the other one does running, which both start at seven o'clock at night and end at 8.30. So during that time, I go shopping, which is great. In fact, I really love going food shopping at night, and I love going food shopping on Sunday night in Israel because the markets tend to be really quiet and empty. I think the most popular day for food shopping in Israel is on Thursday, maybe Friday morning. So oftentimes when I'm shopping, I actually reminisce to the days where I had to schlep my kids, my babies, my hungry toddlers, my impatient kids to the supermarket with me. And it was always a pain in the butt. And it was difficult. And it was always unpleasant. And now I've reached a point in my life where I can just enjoy going food shopping alone. And if you've listened to my podcast enough, you know how much I like quiet and stillness. So last night, just like every Sunday night since the beginning of this year, I dropped my kids at their activities. I went food shopping and I returned to pick them up. And my shops tend to be pretty quick and pretty easy, actually. We're mostly vegetarian in the house and we eat pretty healthfully. So my shop usually consists of getting a lot of fresh vegetables and fruit And I buy spelt flour because I make spelt sourdough bread twice a week. And I get nuts and dried fruit and tahini, which is a sesame spread. And oh, and beans. Yeah, because I make a lot of things with beans. And that's basically it. So and maybe some cheese. Okay, because the kids take that to school. But it's usually easy. And it's not a lot. I mean, we're six people, but it's really not a lot of food. And sometimes... Everything in the house that's like non-food related seems to run out at the same time. (laughs) Does that ever happen to you? So that happened to me this week. So in addition to all the food that I had to get, I had to get like toilet paper and the toilet bowl 
thing, whatever that thing is called that you let hang inside the toilet bowl so the toilet bowl smells kind of good, and aluminum foil and trash bags and chocolate. My family loves dark chocolate and we run out every once in a while. And everyone was reminding me that I had to pick that up. So I added that to my list. And there was one other thing. Um, Oh, laundry clips. Because we hang our wet laundry. We don't have a drying machine. Anyway, so you get the point. It was like that kind of shopping. Usually I fill up the cart maybe three quarters of the way. I don't know. But last night my cart was like overflowing. Now, the good thing and the thing I'm super grateful for is that my kids are older and they're responsible and they don't really complain when we get home at nine o'clock at night to help me bring the packages up to the house. And I say up to the house because we live on a hill and it's about maybe 20 steps to get from the car to the front door. And we do our best to carry everything so we don't have to make two trips. Now, just to paint the scene, remember, I have four kids. So during the time that I'm shopping and my two older kids are in their activities, my husband is home feeding dinner to the other two kids and then putting them to sleep around eight, which is also a blessing because when we come home at nine, nobody has the energy to deal with putting all the groceries away and putting two tired kids to sleep. So we arrived home last night at like nine, and the little ones were asleep, thank God. And the three of us, me and my daughter and my son, brought all the packages into the house, into the kitchen, and we started to unpack everything. And I noticed my husband walk over to the living room area to put on the TV. News flash. The Gora family just got a TV. Ugh! And I say, ugh, because I didn't want a TV. And I was outnumbered by five. And, you know, I just had a feeling that when we got a TV, it was really going to be a major distraction for my kids. And I think in general, kids and adults, actually, I think we have like way too much screen time. And it's really better for us to use our free time doing other things like reading books, right? Or playing board games or anything. But anyway, I was outnumbered and my husband bought this TV. And anyway, so he goes to sit down on the couch and he puts on the TV quite loudly, I have to say, while the three of us started to unpack the, I don't know, 100 grocery bags that we had. (laughs) Now, you may be thinking, this is where I got stuck, because it seems like a natural place to get stuck, right? Like here we are, we're unpacking all the groceries, and my husband's over there not helping. But I didn't. I mean, you know, my husband has eyes, right? He saw that we were unloading the groceries, and he knows it's nine o'clock, which is the time I like to get in bed. And he knows that I'm exhausted, and he's not helping. But I didn't really get stuck. I mean, I kept going through the stuck method in my mind and I kept checking in with my thoughts and I came up with other considerations. And it wasn't the first time I came home on a Sunday night and this was the scene. So it was really okay. I really didn't get stuck there. The problem came when my son, who needs to go to bed at nine o'clock because he has a hard time waking up in the morning, sat down next to my husband to watch whatever mindless program my husband was watching. 
And that bothered me. I mean, it really bothered me. And that's where I got momentarily stuck. So I said to my son, loudly enough for my husband to hear, I know the TV is a big distraction. I really get it. I also wish we didn't have a TV, (laughs) but we do. And you need to go to sleep. It's nine o'clock, so please go to sleep. And what happened? Nothing, of course, because there was only one parent parenting at that moment, and there were two parents in the room, and my son, I guess, assumed what I was saying was not important, and because my husband wasn't supporting me, right? He was just sitting there watching his show. Anyway, so I continued to unpack more of the groceries, and and then I raised my voice, right? I said, it's time to go to bed now. And what happened? Nothing, of course. And my husband, God bless him, is like totally oblivious, right? He's like so into his show. He's like laughing. He's like, he's like as if he's the only person in the room. I mean, really, God bless him. So this is what I did. I said to my husband, like loudly enough so he could hear me, can you please turn the TV off so that Aton will go to sleep? And guess what happened? I got yelled at. <laughs> Whoa, apparently that hit a nerve. Turn the TV off? What do you mean? Don't I have a life? Can I relax for a few minutes? Who are you to say that I can't watch TV? I put the younger kids to sleep. I just cleaned up the kitchen. What do you want from me? What do you want from me? And I was like, oh, whoa. Oh, somebody's not happy right now. So I responded kind of defensively. I don't want anything from you. I don't want anything from you. I just want Aton to go to sleep. And then my husband, I guess, kind of woke up and he realized what was going on. So he yelled at my son to go to sleep. And that was basically the end of the story. But it really wasn't because I got all stuck on being upset that my husband raised his voice to me. And, you know, that he wasn't really being helpful and that he was ignoring me when I needed help and all of that. So as I continued to put the food away, I said to myself, Shira, take a stop. Shira, take a stop. Shira, take a stop. Take a stop. Take a stop. And I did. And I I told myself what I was stuck on. I was stuck on insult and I was stuck on hurt and I was stuck on surprise and I was stuck on a lot of emotions. And I just acknowledged them all. And in my head, I you uncovered all of my beliefs that my husband should have helped me put the groceries away. But no, remember, I didn't really get stuck on that. I said, you know, no, he doesn't have to, it would have been nice, but we never make a rule that he has to help me put the groceries away. So that's not true. My husband um, should be respectful regarding the volume of the TV. Um, And you know what? Yeah, I think he should be because our common space in our house, like the kitchen area and the eating area and the living area, it's actually one big room and it's not separated by walls. So I was like, yeah, I mean, I think he should be, okay, maybe not should be respectful, but it would be nice if he were considerate about the volume. My husband should have turned the TV on only after the kids were asleep right? That's a belief I had. But 
No, that's not 100% true because we don't have a rule about that either. And the truth of the matter is, oftentimes our kids go to sleep after we do. So if that's the case, he'd never get to watch TV at all. And I also uncovered this belief. I said to myself that I believe he's purposefully ignoring me. Like I really believe that. Like I thought he was purposefully ignoring me. But when I checked in with that belief, I realized he wasn't purposely ignoring me. He was just like zoning out. He was like into his show. So by the time I finished with putting the last thing away, I already had in my mind several considerations. I considered that my husband had a long day. All of his days are long and he just wanted to relax. That's it. And I considered that while my husband raised his voice at me, it's not something he usually does, and it's something that I also sometimes do to him. And I considered he doesn't even watch a lot of TV, the truth of the matter is. In fact, on average, he probably watches, I don't know, 15 minutes a day since we've gotten the TV. I considered I was tired, he was tired, and that never makes for a good recipe. I considered he just wanted to be left alone. And I get that. I mean, I totally get that. I had just had my one and a half hours alone, and it was blissful. I considered my husband didn't want me nagging on him. Of course, he never wants that. But I'm just saying I considered it. And finally, I was thinking about a book, which I'll tell you about now, where it made me think about considering opening my heart. So what's this book I'm reading? It's called The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. It's a number one New York Times bestseller book. And a few days ago, I finished reading part one, which was on awakening consciousness, which was amazing. And he gave this awesome analogy about consciousness that totally resonated with me. Maybe one day I'll share it with you. But a couple nights ago, I started part two. And it was on experiencing energy. And there's a lot he says, but basically the gist of it was that we as humans have a phenomenal amount of energy inside of us. And it's always available to us. And when you're filled with it, you feel like you can take on the world. And the only reason that we may not feel that energy is because we block it. We block it, not somebody else. And we do that by closing our heart. And when we do that, when we close our hearts, there's no light and there's no energy and there's no flow. And basically he goes on, but what he says is that it's our job in this world to practice not allowing our hearts to close. It's really that simple. He says you should be deliberate in this practice of working to keep your heart open. And I didn't finish reading the whole section, but that's basically what I got from that little chapter. And it was really powerful. I mean, it's something I already knew because I'm a yoga teacher and I've learned about the energy channels in our body and how we have the ability to open them and such. But it was the way he wrote it that really spoke to me. And it made me realize that, you know, opening your heart is a consideration that we can take on probably every day of our lives, right? And in so many different instances, like in the house and at work, on the street, right? 
I think our default may be in closing our hearts. I really think so. I think it's a lot easier to close our hearts than it is to open them. Just like it's easier to frown or it's easier to have a sad face on than it is to have a happy face on, right? The happy face isn't the default. It's something you need to be conscious of and aware of and put into action. So that's what I did. You know, I opened my heart. This guy is exhausted. He is tired. He wants to be alone. He wants to zone out. So, okay, open your heart, Shira. Just like if the situation were reversed, I would want him to do for me. And I went to bed. In fact, I went back to my book and I kept reading about energy And the feeling of sadness and hurt kind of lingered, but I kept going back to the idea of open your heart, like soften your heart, just open your heart. You know, look, none of us are angels. We're not. And as much as we expect the people in our lives to be angels, they're not. And for the most part, I do believe they're doing the best they can. And when you can soften your heart and realize that, you can see that there's nothing that you really need to do. Just let it be. It is what it is in the moment. And this moment's going to pass. It's not going to last. And it's okay. So I ask you to think about a time that you recently got stuck. And if you can consider opening your heart what would that look like for you? Let me know. Send me an email. Leave me an iTunes review, comment on the website, anything. I love to hear your stories and I love how people around the world are practicing this and they're getting unstuck and they're transforming their lives and their relationships. Okay, so next week is episode number 42. And every seven episodes, I take a break from sharing stories And instead, I offer something different. And I'm really excited about next week because I'm going to share with you a movie that I just watched with my son. It's a movie that actually was part of the educational committee programming here for the sixth through eighth graders and their parents. And so we watched this movie. Should I tell you what it is now? Um, hmm, I'm debating. You know what? No, I'm going to wait till next week. But basically, it's a movie, you probably have seen it, it came out years ago, but somehow I totally missed seeing this movie. And wow, it was like the perfect movie to represent the concepts of getting unstuck. And while I was watching it, I was like, ah, I have to share this on the podcast. You're going to love this. So that's going to be next week. So definitely tune in. And hopefully after you hear the episode, you'll go watch the movie. Even if you saw it once, you'll go back and watch it again. And let me know if you noticed what I noticed. It was great. Okay, so that is it for this week. And as always, I look forward to getting unstuck with you.
Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Getting Unstuck podcast. For more information on programs, workshops, and retreats, check out our website, www.thestuckmethod.com. Thank you.